0: Good morning, everyone. Happy Father's Day to my brothers who are fathers. What a great privilege. Amen. Amen. Truly a gift from God. I want to invite you to do something right now. And if you have a pen and you like to take notes, you can do it on there. Or if you have a phone, something to write on or to, to scribe something out. Felt like the Lord put this on my heart. So I want to ask you right now to think about your own earthly father. Whether he was present or absent, whether you thought he was a good dad, a bad dad, or you think he is, whatever. It it doesn't matter. But I want you to think about your earthly father. And then I want you, as you think about him, just to take a few moments here. We're going to take our time, just take a deep breath and relax. We're not in a hurry. And I want you to write down five adjectives that describe your dad they can be good bad and different but I want you to describe your father honestly vulnerably accurately I want you to take a minute and just do that if everyone could participate that'd be great you're not gonna have to show anybody you're not gonna have to turn this in not there's no no tricks five adjectives that describe your father be honest be honorable. be transparent before the Lord and if you're listening to this recording later and you're driving do not try to do this while you drive our father's house will not be held liable for any accident while you try to describe your dad I don't want to find out how good our insurance is okay is everybody with me Today is my favorite day to preach. If God only ever permitted me one Sunday a year to preach, today would be the day. It would not be Easter. It wouldn't be any other day. It would truly be Father's Day. And I'll tell you why. Because on Father's Day, people get in touch with a longing and a desire and an ache that most of us, if we're honest, try to live out of touch with. And this isn't just for people that had a quote-unquote bad childhood or poor father. This is for every single person. The longing for a father was put in us by God because God himself is a father and he created us in his image. So we have longings, we have deep-seated feelings inside of us. Let's think about loneliness for a second. Why do we get lonely? And by the way, for all you single people, I know plenty of married people who are lonely. I have felt lonely in my marriage. Taylor has felt lonely. Because marriage doesn't solve the longing for God. One of the primary mistakes that we make in marriage is we look to our spouse to satisfy places and things that only God can and this is why we end up idolizing or contempting our spouse, because we say, you're not meeting my needs. And many times we are looking to someone else to satisfy something that only God can fill. That God-sized void, no matter how wonderful, faithful, romantic your relationship with your husband or wife is, cannot be filled by a human being. Actually, what's beautiful is when you begin to confess that void to your spouse and you go after God together. That's what the Lord intended for marriage, that a broken man and woman would gather together and be united and be faithful and confess their sins and fears and failures to one another and then say, how do we seek the healer for these things? Amen? So many of us get in touch with something. We begin to think about our dad. We begin to think about who he was or who he wasn't. Listen, the father wound that plagues us all. I have a phenomenal father. There's still a father wound. Why? Because only God, the father, can parent us and love us to the degree that we need. I want you to understand something. To the degree or depth that your earthly father and mother either let you down, wounded you, abandoned you, betrayed you, you name it, to that degree is the degree that God has to reparent us through His fatherhood. See, many of us have never even heard a message on the fatherhood of God. But God is a good Father, and God the Father wants to father every single one of us in our lives. I'll honor my dad today. He has one of the best quotes, of course he does, about the fatherhood of God. He said, if you don't know the fatherhood of God, you just read the Bible as good Christian truth. Do you know that the number one problem, this is not an exaggeration, the number one problem in the earth today is fatherlessness? The number one problem in the church today is fatherlessness. We are not fathered by God and therefore we fail as fathers and mothers and we let our children down. Let me tell you something. The greatest gift, dads, that you can give your kids is not a vacation, is not a a, a membership at a club or a, a part of a baseball team. It's not even a memory. The greatest gift that you can give your children is a revelation of God as Father the greatest thing that you could do for them is point them to the Lord and confess your own frailty and be humble about your own need for God and model that for your children. See, children will forgive a lot if they know that dad is humble, that mom is humble. It's interesting. Studies show that one of the primary memories that all children have, regardless of their age, gender, race, the time period they grew up in, one of the primary memories that sticks with kids is whether or not their mom or dad ever apologized. Children remember that moment of humility. Children remember those moments of confession. And children also remember when we're too proud to own our sin and to own the way that we have violated or hurt or let our kids down. Now I'm not inviting anybody here today to have a bash fest about your dad. But I have to acknowledge the pain that I know is in this room and across the earth today. I had a a friend, we're still friends, good friends, and he said, this is a black guy. He says, do you know the saddest day in the hood? Father's Day. So said, there's nobody to celebrate. It was 50 years ago, and and people were stunned. In the African-American population, fatherlessness was up to 25%, and people were floored and broken. Do you know that that number is over 75% now? And that studies show that in Caucasian families, Mexican families, it's going up over 25%. You're talking about kids, a generation that do not have a dad. That don't have a man of God, a father figure to look to who can show them how to be a man, who can show them how to love. And I'm not talking about teaching them just how to shave. I mean teaching them how to live for the Lord, how to worship, how to read their Bible, how to contend in prayer, how to be faithful to mom, how to love the poor and the needy, and how to notice those that are broken. That's what I'm talking about. That's what a good father does. Fatherlessness is plaguing this nation, plaguing the world, and it's plaguing the church. And I want to ask you prophetically, what do you plan to do about it? See, the Word of God, the Apostle Paul, 2,000 years ago, cried out and said, You have many teachers, but few fathers. There was a famine of fathers all the way back then. He's writing to the Corinthian church. There's a famine of fathers in the church today. There's a famine of fathers in the earth today. And I'm talking about representing and reflecting the heart of God the Father to everyone around you. See, Jesus prayed in John 17. And he said, Father, as you sent me, I send them. Jesus was sent to reveal the Father. It was His primary mission on earth. Every miracle, every story, everything about His birth, life, death, resurrection and ascension tells us something about God the Father. Jesus was the manifestation of God the Father in human form. Jesus accurately Perfectly Represented God to us If you want to know What kind of father God is Look no further than the life of Christ You know how I know We don't get the fatherhood of God Because A Nobody talks about it Because B, we're too wounded to acknowledge our longing and our desire for it. And C, you have all kinds of examples like, what is Luke 15 known for? It's known for the parable of the prodigal son. We focus so much on sin and prodigals. Can I tell you something? That story's not special without the father. There's nothing really that great about a son who's self-righteous and arrogant, who's proud, the older son and the younger one, who goes out and spoils everything that he has, who asks for his inheritance, it says he squanders it with loose living. There's nothing special about that. You know what makes Luke 15 so powerful? The Father and this is Jesus telling this story among the religious leaders and if you go back and look at the beginning of Luke 15 he tells three parables in succession and the crescendo is the prodigal son or I would say the parable of the extravagant benevolent father that's what we ought to call it and refer to it as about a prodigal God unbelievable the extravagance, the overwhelming love. If you look at the beginning of Luke 15 in the context of Jesus telling these three parables, he gets provoked to say these things. Why? Because they are mad that Jesus is eating with sinners. They're angry. What are you doing? I love it when a prostitute comes up to Jesus and they're like, oh, if he were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman this is. Because in their own self-righteous religion, oh, you reject such a woman. And here's Jesus welcoming because she saw who He was. She could see the value of Jesus better than the scribes and lawyers and Pharisees and Sadducees who were the educated men of the day. So Jesus tells that story of the prodigal son in Luke 15. And He's provoked to tell it. Why? Because they're mad. That he's eating with sinners. I love that so much because it's basically like Jesus is saying, Look, y'all are mad. That I'm eating with sinners, but can I tell you, it's much worse than that. I welcome them into my house. I get excited when they turn from their sin. I throw a party for them because I'm so overjoyed that they've come back to me. See, the son planned to make all these excuses and to tell the father, I've sinned, just let me be a slave. And the father says, no, we're going to put shoes on your feet and a ring on your hand and a robe upon you because you are my son where are the men and women who will be faithful fathers and mothers to a fatherless generation to a fatherless people To those who are so confused, guys, this generation, we're so confused that you have third graders who think they are the opposite gender. And you have confused, distorted, deceitful, twisted people who encourage them to do things to their body and to alter their chromosomes and their DNA and to totally kill the image of God that He made them in. And we celebrate it. And oh, by the way, if you don't, you're going to be called names. Can I tell you something? There's coming a day when being called names for Jesus is going to look like a kiddie pool because there's greater persecution there's greater hatred that's coming and God is trying to strengthen the backbone of his church in this hour through his holy apostles and prophets to bring strength to the body and courage and confidence that we would not be ashamed of Jesus I'm not ashamed of the word of God I'm not ashamed of a powerful benevolent faithful father who loves us so much that he's not going to leave us in our sins do you know that you can preach grace and mercy and you can herald the loving kindness of God without tolerating compromise it is possible I believe we do it here and I hope we do it well God is gracious God is faithful but God's not playing games with our sin God doesn't look the other way. God doesn't wink. He's not a good old boy. You can't make him laugh. He sees the deep root of rebellion inside of all of us and he wants to conquer that. God wants to break your will, not your spirit. When we parent our kids, we want to break their will, not their spirit. We want to address the thing in them that just simply does not want to do what mommy or daddy said because they said it. That's a root of rebellion. But we want to discipline our children in a way that builds them up and that helps them to see the error of their ways and then restores them in love. Do you know that God does the same thing with us as His children? Hebrews 12 is a fascinating passage. Like verses 4 through 11 talk about the discipline of God the Father. And that if you don't experience the discipline of God, you're actually not His child. What is the mark of God fathering you? It's His discipline. That's the stamp of love upon our lives. But you know what? Those who are orphans, those who don't know God as Father, they interpret correction as rejection. And we look at God's correction, we look at His faithfulness to rebuke us for our foolishness, and we get mad about it rather than humbling ourselves and repenting. Pride causes God to oppose us. God is a good Father. God longs and loves to be gracious to His children. His heart is for us. He is not against us. But can I tell you something? When you feel like acting the fool or taking a walk on the wild side, God's going to come after you in a mighty way. I tell brothers that want to rebel and while out, I'm like, listen, God the Father will whisper. And if you don't listen to the whisper, He'll increase to a roar. And you don't want to experience the Father's loving roar in your life. I'm not saying God is harsh, He's not abusive, He's not about to fly off the handle, but He's a good Father. I would be a terrible father if I let my children touch a hot stove. But if I smack their hand away, they feel just for a moment the pain of that, but I'm trying to protect them. Do you know that's why the Word of God explains to us and teaches us things for our lifestyle? that we should embrace and practice and things that we should abstain and reject how many people are still trying to do it their own way Let's talk about sex before marriage, for example. You have a whole generation. Guys, you can even find preachers. This is what YouTube is for. YouTube.com heresy. Look up whatever you want. You will find someone who is actively teaching and preaching against the clear and explicit written Word of God who will tell you it's okay to hang out and sin. You can do whatever you want. You can toe the line and God really doesn't care because, oh, He's gracious. No, the grace of God comes when the truth of God liberates us. The truth shall set you free, right? That's Jesus in John eight thirty two. I believe that the truth of God sets us free so that we can walk in His empowering grace. If you teach grace, if you hear grace without truth, you're not hearing the truth. You're hearing a perverted and distorted and watered down gospel that is not strong enough to save. God can and will deliver each of us from sin. Amen. So we were on a little trip to Illinois to celebrate Taylor's grandparents' 50th anniversary. Benny and Kay have been married 50 years. It was a beautiful celebration last night. Yes, we drove back through the night. And yes, I have had coffee. And If you know me, I don't drink coffee. When my friends see me drinking coffee, they're like, is that bad, huh? I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm feeling it. Although I do have to say the shame in the coffee community is a little much, all right? You got the people that are like, oh, are you going to have some coffee with your creamer? I'm like, look, this tastes terrible. It's literally bitter bean juice, and you're harassing me about putting creamer in it. I mean, do you get mad when we add sugar to strawberry shortcake? Why don't you just take a bite out of a cantaloupe and just eat the skin while you're at it? I don't even know what I'm saying. Happy Father's Day, Lord. I should preach sleep-deprived more often. This is good. So we're over in Illinois, and we had the boys swimming in the hotel pool, Daniel, he's three years old. And Taylor went to take his floaty off, and just real gentle, but something happened, and all of a sudden his arm started hurting. He was in a lot of pain. It was close to bedtime. We tried to put him down, and he literally, like, couldn't move it. It was just hanging down. And I mean, he's crying and he's a tough kid. And we're like, man, what's wrong? We just got there. If you know all the events of our lives, I mean, it's like, oh, Lord, I can't do one more thing. I mean, literally last week we had the AC in the building break and go out again. We had a leak in the roof. We had floor coming up. We had water coming up from the floor in the women's bathroom. The coffee maker broke. I mean, I'm like, oh, what's next? Like every time I go to start my, no, I'm kidding. Oh, it's for you. Well, I was like, man, one more thing. Literally, we're going to have to take this kid to the ER. Like, he, he literally can't, he can't move. He's laying there his arm. And I just felt like the Lord instructed me, like, hey, this is something that you can handle. You don't need to take him to the ER. His elbow's out of place. I mean, look, I'm not a doctor. I do drink Dr. Pepper, but I'm, I'm not a doctor. The commercials lie to you. <laughs> Caleb, you'd be proud of me. So anyway, so he needed a reduction in his arm and basically what we did at midnight because he couldn't sleep was we took him in the bathroom and we gently popped his elbow back into place and he cried really hard for about a minute and then all of a sudden Daniel was back and it's like 1230 at night and he's like, daddy, can we play? I'm like, no, (laughs) we can sleep and sleep soundly and right now. Do you know that when your arm is out of joint, when your elbow is out of socket, God's going to take you and He's going to pop it back into place and it's going to hurt? The Father will put you through pain in order to form His Son in you. Let me say it another way. God values our conformity more than our comfort. If I had valued Daniel's comfort, More than his overall health, I never would have done that. Sometimes God has to treat the wounds. He has to address the sin. He goes after the shame or the fear that cripples us because he's a good father. But can I tell you, it's a painful process. Being made like Jesus is a crucifixion. Hello. I meet these people and they're like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I'm like, yeah, we start talking about the Lord. And it's like, God, they never repent. They never confess anything. They basically live a nominal life. And it's like, I, I realize that their belief in Jesus is basically like my belief in unicorns. I don't know if you believe in unicorns or not. And I'm not talking about the King James Version translation and all that. Yeah, I got, I got a few of you. Thank you, brother. No. Whether you believe in unicorns or not, it has no bearing on your life. Who cares? That's most people. If this is America, I believe in Jesus. What's that mean to you? Nothing. No weight on their lifestyle. Jesus actually doesn't have a seat at the decision-making table for their finances, for their sexuality, for their future, none of it. And I'm like, "What, what does that do? I, love, I see people wearing crosses out in public. Taylor loves it when I do this. And I'll be like, hey, what, what does that mean to you? They're like, this? Oh, I don't know. You don't know? You're wearing it. I like what Andy Minhio says. Don't wear one on your chest if you don't bear one on your back. So God the Father values our conformity more than our comfort. Because He's a good Father. Because He's faithful to us. Turn to 2 Corinthians 6. And we'll see what happens. 2 Corinthians 6. And while you turn there, if you could be vulnerable, I told you you're not going to have to do anything with it, so this is totally of your own volition. But if you wrote down... Those five adjectives about your father, and you're comfortable with calling them out good, bad, or indifferent. I want you to begin to tell me what you wrote down. Just shout them out right now absent, passive, childish. 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 That's what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? Opinionated, Opinionated strict. strict, loving, loving caring. Sensitive, protective, friendly, helpful, aggressive, judgmental, angry, impossible to please, servant-hearted. Okay, good. Now we just got to get you guys to say amen that much. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Amen, brother. Listen, say amen for your own sakes. Don't say amen for me. I don't listen to messages. When you say amen, you're saying, I believe that's true. I agree, and I'm with you. I had a friend of mine who he would, he would preach in guest churches and he would show up and tell people, look, you can get two versions of me. The version where you pull on me and you draw this thing out or the version where you stare at me and we just look at each other like deer in the headlights. He's like, who wants the first one? If you want the first one, say amen. Everyone say, like, amen. And then he would go for it. He'd preach the house down. We say amen for our own benefit. Amen. 2 Corinthians 6, let's start in verse 14. Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership does righteousness and lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness? Or what harmony has Christ with Satan? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Would you say nothing? Nothing. Listen, missionary dating, oh, he's a good guy, he just doesn't know the Lord. It don't work. Don't do it. That's a mission trip you might not come back from. You don't want that. Don't disagree with the Word of God. You don't really have anything in fellowship with those who are in darkness if you are in the light. This is why we tolerate friendships with people that are unteachable, That really don't have a walk with God and we welcome them in close and then their rebellion influences us because we think we are smarter than God. It is our pride that makes us think we're the exception. 1 Corinthians 15 says, bad company corrupts good morals. You think you have good morals, you think you have a good head on your shoulders, congratulations, bad company will corrupt all that. So light has nothing in common with darkness... Let's keep reading. Verse 16. Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Just as God said, check these out. There's five of them. I will dwell in them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord. And do not touch what is unclean. And I will welcome you. And I will be a father to you. And you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. What kind of father is God? He's a God who will walk with you. Talk with you. Who wants to dwell in you. He's a father who has promised, I will be your God and you will be my people. We were talking about loneliness earlier. Can I tell you what I believe? I believe that loneliness is the soul reaching for God. But oftentimes we reach for the wrong things. Instead of reaching vertically, we go horizontally. And that's how we mess around with the pleasures of sin. We are trying to satisfy something in us that only God can fill. Amen? Amen? so God says I'll be a father to you what kind of father is God he's a father who welcomes you the word of God here is so tender listen to a father who welcomes you what kind of conditions are there for him to welcome you faith in his son was the prodigal son a mess was he covered in pig slop he had no money he had nothing to offer And here comes Jesus telling this story saying, this is what the Heavenly Father is like. He welcomes you in your deepest, darkest moment of sin and shame and failure. There is no one who is too far gone for the Lord to save. The arm of the Lord is not too short to save. There are powerful stories and testimonies just in this room of people I know, of myself included, who were so far away from God, you couldn't even measure the distance. And then here comes a faithful father. I listen to people talk, and they're like, man, I just could never get the thought of Jesus out of my head. I know one girl, she got saved. She heard about Jesus trying to learn about Muhammad. (laughs) She was trying to become... A Muslim, and she became a Christian because she realized, oh wait, Muhammad was dead and Jesus was alive. I think I'm going to listen to Jesus who's seated at the right hand of the Father, who has the keys of death and hell in His hand. So God is a welcoming Father. He's a faithful Father. Some of us called out things that were good and bad earlier. You were sharing vulnerably some of your lists, can I tell you? That list that you're looking at, therein lies your journey into the heart of God. Because everything that you want and need, everything that you desire is found in Him and Him alone. So if your father was absent, God is present. If your father was angry and abusive, the father is loving and tender and kind. If your father was a sugar daddy and never told you no, God wants to discipline and correct you and teach you that life ain't all about you. Some of us had too good of a childhood. Don't get me started. We got kids that think the whole world revolves around them. This is a part of fatherlessness because fathers teach their sons, hey, work hard and shut your mouth. We have 15, 16-year-old kids that show up and think they should be the manager and they've worked there for two weeks and they were late three of those days. <laughs> oh, brother, I'm top material. I can make a good resume. It's like, can you work hard? Do you buckle under pressure? Can you serve? I work with this guy. I worked, at, worked with him at Walmart. He's a Hispanic brother. I love this guy to death. We had so much fun. And I would ask him for help and he would say, it's not my job. It's not my job. It's not my job. He joked and then he would help me. So I've said that for the last like 12 years. It's not my job. It's not my job. Hey, can you help me? That's not my job. Hey, you you do it. You have a generation of kids saying, oh, it's not not my job. Well, see, the father puts that backbone The father in the house and God the father. Perhaps you didn't have a dad to teach you how to work, how to serve, how to live, how to give. God wants to be your father. That's the point of this message. If you miss everything else, please hear me. God is a good Father and He wants to fill in the gaps. He wants to be present. He wants to show you His faithfulness. He wants to wash away all the fear and all the shame and all the condemnation that you feel and show you who you really are in Him. I remember when the Lord confronted me about six or seven years ago, and he said, Paul, you have a disagreement with me about who you really are. And I wanted to say, No, I'm like, ah. When the Lord says something, you listen. When God told me four years ago, Paul, you don't know how to rest, I said, Okay, Father, teach me. I thought I knew how. I'm trying, I'm learning. See, when you understand the fatherhood of God, everything changes about the way you read his word. Actually, every single time in the New Testament that you see the word God, theos, you can add God the Father. That's who the writers are talking about. For the Father so loved the world he gave his Son. For the Father demonstrated His own love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Begin to look at the fatherhood of God. What kind of father do you and I have? This is the great benefit and privilege. Remember, it's the whole reason Jesus came to earth. Please do not miss this. Why, oh, Jesus came to die for our sins, then why didn't He show up as a 33-year-old man and say, okay, crucify me? See, the forgiveness of God, the mercy of God was all a part of it, but even in that restoration act, He was wanting to reveal a redemptive Father. And when you begin to understand that God is fathering you through your life, how you perceive reality changes for the glory of God. Nick and Benny, I want you as helpers again. Would you grab this air filter here? Who had the clean one last week? Nick, okay, you get the dirty one this time. (laughs) Give Ben the clean one. If you weren't here, I talked about the goodness of God. The goodness of God our Father last week. And I was talking about a filter. Everybody has a filter. We're going to go at it again. If you don't understand the goodness of God, you will interpret everything through a dirty, nasty, broken filter and you will not see things as they are. You will actually project things onto God all of your insecurities and all of your fears and all of that stuff you have people that are like God left me he, he, he was forsaken me he totally hung me out to dry and it's like here's what you're doing and you try to talk to them about truth like don't quote the Bible to me I'm like what else do you want me to say But if you have the fatherhood of God in your life, you can go through difficulty, loss, trial, struggle, tragedy, you name it, and continue to love and serve the Lord with a full heart. Why? Because this filter has written on it, Father knows best. Because God will cause all things to work together for the good of those who love Him. You know what our job is? You just be busy loving God with a full heart and you let Him take care of the rest. When you don't understand, I've learned to pray, Father, I don't understand what you're doing, but if you will show me, I'll partner with you in it. See, we do well to confess our confusion to God. Father, I don't understand why I didn't get the job. I don't understand why I'm not married yet. I don't understand why. And you begin to invite Him to commune with you and to have that fellowship and that relationship. And then you can get to the core and the root of the matter. And you can get to the heart level issues. And God can begin to father you through your pain. Let me tell you something. Your pain has purpose if you let God have it. But your pain will kill you and leave you in a bed of despair if you try to hold on to it for yourself. The world, the population, how many people are on the planet now? What is it, 8 billion? Sure, 8 billion. Someone's Googling right now. Internet mom, how many people are on the planet? Every single person, regardless of where they're from, there's only two kinds of people. Those that allow their pain to be a bridge to God or a barrier to God is your pain a bridge or a barrier today see I've learned through the brokenness of my own life father help me to build a bridge towards you I saw prophetically in the spirit that some of us there's a sign and it says the bridge is out it's time for you to rebuild that bridge it's time for you to revisit those things and allow God to heal you and to help you, and to restore you. It's time for you to allow Him to father you as He so desires so that you will understand the good intentions that He has for each and every one of us. He's a father. He's a good father. He's a welcoming father. You guys can sit down. Thank you. Now look at, look at verse 1. Give me just a couple more minutes. Keep reading. This is a really bad chapter break in my opinion. You know there's no chapter breaks in the original New Testament. So keep reading. I'll be a father to you. You'll be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, having these promises. What are these promises? the promise of His presence, the promise of His love, the promise of His acceptance, the promise of Him walking with us and living in us. And because we have those promises, because we've laid hold of them, what's our response? Cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Teaching the fear of God the holiness of God, the righteousness of God, without the anchor and the foundation of the fatherhood of God is a bad breeding ground for all sorts of abuse. But when you understand that God really loves you, that He's not going to throw you away, He can say anything to you. You have those people in your life. You know that you know that you know that they love you and therefore they have access to the deepest places of your soul to say, hey, that wasn't cool, knock it off. Hey, I believe you're better than that. Hey, I believe you should go repent to sister so and so. That's what real brotherhood and real love and real accountability looks like. But because of the fatherhood of God, that's why we cleanse ourselves from all devo- defilement of flesh and spirit. The Father invites us to a life of holiness and consecration, but it's not absent from His love. It's because of His love, it's because of His kindness, it's because of His grace. I just, Jesus, I just want to give you everything that you desire because. You have given me so much. See, orphans, those that don't know the Father, they think about their love for God. Sons and daughters think about the Father's love for them. And you just get overwhelmed and all the fear and all the pressure and all the shame just fades away. Because orphans are driven and sons and daughters are led of the Lord. You're a son today. You're a daughter to God, your Father, who loves you, who welcomes you, who wants to heal you and help you. Who wants to parent you through the difficulty of your own life? Who wants to address in His mercy the shame that cripples you, that prevents you from speaking up or speaking out, that causes you to think that everyone is against you, that nobody really loves you, that eventually things, the shoe will drop and everything will go bad. All of that garbage, God wants to help you take the trash out and put it by the the side of the road called goodness street and let it go i want you to listen to this okay first john 3 1 i'm just going to read this over you okay i want you to just try as best you can just to receive from the lord if you need to close your eyes Bow your head or open your hands or stand or lay down. I don't care. There's freedom. Just don't be disruptive. 1 John 3, 1 says, Behold, what manner of love is this? Or see how great a love the Father has for us that we should be called children of God. How great a love. I want to read you. Some descriptions of the Father's love. And there's a lot of them. So just be patient with me. But just let this wash over your soul. Receive this as best you can today. The love of God the Father for us is eternal, unending, irrevocable, unearnable, unquenchable, incomparable, matchless, unequaled, unrivaled. Perfect, supreme, foreign, amazing, unparalleled, unique, unsurpassable, rich, unfathomable, transcendent, forever, unstoppable, illimitable, boundless, constant, ceaseless, enduring, everlasting, immeasurable, perpetual, incessant, Incalculable, abundant, magnificent, strong, incomprehensible, baffling, astonishing, mind-blowing, empowering, encouraging, freeing, overwhelming, exciting, astounding, outstanding, staggering, vast, unshakable, incredible, marvelous, wonderful, stunning, fascinating. Ravishing, captivating, compelling, alluring, delightful, spectacular, engaging, outrageous, contagious, gripping, arresting, enthralling, consuming passionate, intense, undeserved, infinite, engrossing, fervent, wild, vehement, zealous, powerful, fierce, sincere, heartfelt, profound, penetrating, piercing, pervasive, robust, convincing, kind, persuasive, impactful, tender, gentle, patient, forgiving, restoring, rejuvenating, recharging, refreshing, healing and redeeming this love of God. God the Father, if you believe that today, would you say, Hallelujah to the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Father, we receive your love today. If you're a dad in here, I want to ask you to stand. If we could just have the Father stand. I want to charge you, brothers. The Lord put this on my heart. I want to charge you if I can, if you can receive it from me. I say this to you humbly. I want to charge, listen, if your wife is pregnant, I want you to stand. We believe that life begins at conception and that abortion is murder. I want to charge you, brothers, if you can receive it from me, to love like the Father loves. Put away all your criticism, all your malice, all your anger and bitterness, and selfishness and let's love not just our natural children let's love Jesus's church let's love the bride of Christ let's love all the sons and daughters and fathers and mothers around us with the love of God can you receive that charge today let's represent represent God the father accurately Because the Father's love has touched us. When I die, I want my kids to testify. I want my brothers and sisters to testify and say, Paul Johnson loved me like Jesus. Paul Johnson loved me like God the Father loves me. Would the rest of you stand with us? And if you're comfortable with this, just open your hands to the Lord. Let's just go back to Him. Father, we receive Your love. We determine not to reject Your love. I thank You, Lord, that Your love overwhelms and consumes all our fears, all our frailties, all the things that ail us Lord, even when we are faithless, You remain faithful, for You cannot deny Yourself. Thank You, Father, for being a loving Father, a gracious Father, a truthful and righteous Father. We receive You, Lord, in Your fullness today. And we devote ourselves to holiness, to perfecting and cleansing ourselves from the defilement of the world that you might be glorified. Lord, would you help us in our broken and feeble and weak love for weak love you do not despise. Would you help us, Father, to love one another well and to love you and honor you with everything we have. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. God bless you all. Father, happy Father's Day. We love you. Thank you for fathering us well. Don't forget to tell God happy Father's Day. And you can tell him tomorrow too because he'll be your father on Monday. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. We love you so much. We're praying for you.